Welcome back, everyone, for this, the latest episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, it is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been providing news, notes, and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Goodyear 400 at Darlington Raceway. Steve, we're fresh off this race at the Lady in Black, the track too tough to tame, the historic Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. And it was a historic weekend. I don't know. (laughs) It it was something. I mean, the weekend, the races across the board, all three series, all had excitement, all had drama, all had comers and goers. Wasn't necessarily the best race for the 12 team. Uh, but I can say as somebody that did get to go to Darlington for a second time, we were able to go to the Southern 500 last year, had an amazing time at the track. Carrie Tharp and the crew at Darlington put on an amazing race at an amazing facility. And um, I've talked to you before that, you know, this should be on pretty much everybody's bucket list when it comes to NASCAR races. So I can't say nothing or can't say enough good about the experience of going to Darlington. Um, but it doesn't always work out. Your favorite driver doesn't always perform well, or it gets caught up in a wreck or just misses the setup or something like that. And um, I don't think the only thing we really had uh, going against us was just um, some slight issues on pit road a little bit again, and uh, getting caught up in a tiny bit in a, in a little bit of a late race crash. But what were yeah. your overall thoughts on the weekend? Yeah. You, you take the good, you, you take the bad, you take them both and there you have there you have the facts of life um yeah it was just one of those weekends where you know had the potential to do great things and then uh, the other things got in the way of those great things uh like i said every week is an opportunity so you can't look at it like um it's just one of those things this week and, and next week will be a whole different ball game i'm sure so you know there were positives and that's the things I try to pull from things like this, that, cause that's the same way that, that the team, you know, any of these teams will be is they want to find the good things, you know? So that's, that's all I'm going to do is try and try and pull the positives from this, this event that we could. And uh, hopefully next week they'll build on those. Yeah. And I thought it was another opportunity. It's another, uh, almost like every week this year, not almost pretty much every week this year, it's they're going to a, a new track that's never seen the next gen car before. And everyone's always a little bit nervous. I know they, the drivers, which, you know, when aren't drivers complaining, but the drivers were complaining about the air and the wake and, Oh, it's so hard to pass yet. You know, I'm watching this race and seeing tons of people passing <laughs> all race long. Yeah. You might not be being, be able to pass all, all the way up to, you know, from, you know, 20th to, to first and 10 laps or something like that. But that's the cool thing about Darlington is just see guys trying to work each other over and eventually lots of slide jobs happen and it keeps things exciting. So why don't we go ahead, just jump right into our recap of Ryan Blaney's run. As we said, in the Goodyear 400 this past weekend at Darlington Raceway. 
Okay, uh, Saturday, uh, Ryan's in the uh, practice group B. Um, he ran 28 laps there. Um, the single lap speed that, that they always keep track of, NASCAR.com and all that is 12th best. Um, uh, and he was behind the two car, actually. So the two car actually had a ton of speed during the practice. Um, once again, this is just, you know, practice, qualifying, and the race are three different things as you, you know, sometimes it's an indicator. One of the better things to use as an indicator though, is the like five and 10 and 15 lap averages that they get during practice. And, uh, Ryan's 10 lap average is actually the second best right behind Joey's. So, uh, the Penske cars, both those two cars at least had pretty good, uh, practice laps, uh, lined up and only 13 cars ran more than 15 consecutive laps in the practice too. So, um, and no one did more than 20. So they're, you know, and NASCAR is doing a new thing now too, with this, where they kind of put together all the different lap average things. And it, I don't know why they were doing that. Cause that that's really kind of goofy to look at. Um, so if you're on the NASCAR app and you're looking at it, you know, scroll through each one, five lap, 10 lap, 15 lap, 20 lap, and that'll give you a better indication of, uh, where the balance of the car is and whether they found something and they're, you know, right off the bat or not. And the practice is only 15 minutes, so they don't have a lot of time to do it either. Um, you know, in the qualifying here, um, Ryan does make the final, you know, five from his group. So this is always good that they're every week on top of qualifying like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and that's kind of um, what I've said, I think, every week is that I just want him to make the top 10. Yeah, it was great when he had that string of poles going. But if you can start in the top 10 in a cup series race, you're pretty much already in position to capitalize on, on a great setup or great pit stops, or, you know, you don't have to take as huge swings at strategy. So always good to be able to start with inside that top 10. And then anything else beyond that is gravy. Um, you know, out of the top 10 there for the, for the poll, only two forwards, it was just Ryan and, uh, and Joey. Uh, Joey does get the pole and Ryan gets seventh. Um, so, you know, pretty, like I said, pretty good qualifying in the top 10 uh, to the rear on uh, race day is the four, the nine, the 11 and 78. Uh, Cause we had, the, you know, had some cars getting a little banged up. <laughs> um, I think the nine was just totally crashed. The 11, he broke the diffuser on the bottom of the car. Uh, so we go stages of 90, 185, 293. They do a competition caution at lap 30. Uh, they had 11 sets of tires, which they pretty much all go through all their tires. Um, this is one of those races where every time you come in, you get tires. Um, Ryan was putting in the uh, last uh, pit stall on pit road. Once again, uh, when you look at uh, Bob Pockross puts a picture up and he puts the timing lines in there so you can see where they're at. And there literally is a timing line right in the middle of their pit box. So they know that they can come into that pit box uh, a certain way and, uh, and leave it in a certain way and be up to a certain speed right away. Uh, he also had the in-car camera, uh, this race too, which didn't matter to Adam <laughs> being at the race. But, uh, for me, it's always great. Cause I get a little bit of different things, uh, different views and, you know, from the top of the car, the inside of the car, sometimes they've got a camera on the bumper, the rear, you know, so you get to see some good things, uh, with that in car. It was almost kind of funny. I, you know, I, they actually one more the thing to praise Darlington for something that I haven't found in our last couple of races at Atlanta and Bristol was the Wi-Fi at Darlington was perfect. 
So again, thank you, Carrie Tharp and everybody at Darlington for providing that for fans, because I actually was able to kind of keep up with our, our team Blaney discord chat. And uh, somebody had mentioned in there that they were using the in-car camera and, you know, I was just kind of talking about ways that when I'm at home trying to sync it up perfectly and I was kind of jealous. I was like, oh man, he has in-car this week and I'm missing it. And then I'm, you know, realizing I'm saying this while sitting in the stands and actually able to see the the whole track. So um, always great, as you said awesome tool to have multi-screen experience and as long as you can sync it up kind of perfectly if you you know are OCD enough to make sure that you really need to have it synced up perfectly like I am because I hate spoilers I hate spoilers for tv shows and movies and I hate them even more for crashes and cautions when it comes to NASCAR races so uh, I think I even said in there that's why I leave the scanner to Steve because it's always ahead or behind and um, my wife would get frustrated every time I said, oh, they're, they're going to crash in about two seconds. And How do you know that? Oh, just wait. <laughs> Boom. Crash. I, I, I like it because I'm taking notes. So all of a sudden I hear this or that is happening. Caution for this or caution is not, you know, and then you get that could be eight to 10 seconds or 15 seconds, depending if it's on cable or if it's on, uh, on, on air channels or whatever. And I'm already writing before I actually see it on the TV. So it kind of helps with the uh, note taking. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that much. Um, so, uh, you know, during pre-race uh, as they're running their laps and, and getting their, uh, you know, Josh tells them race the track, which is hugely important at Darlington. You know, restarts are, are big because you, you can get some positions on a restart, but also racing the track, not necessarily worrying about where everybody is around you or if you're closing in on somebody, um, trying to run good, consistent lap times and not wearing your tires out as fast as other guys are wearing their tires out because that's actually how you start to pass guys later in a run. So uh, good advice from Josh right off the bat. Um, lap one, he hurries up and gets to the high lane. The high lane on these restarts was the lane to be in unless you're coming out of turn two and you get forced close to the wall as we see later on. But uh, um, we get a caution at lap three as the nine hits the six and the six spins um and the five had taken the lead off of joey at this point ryan is still in seventh uh so they they you know they just go back to um a choose cone here and the leader of the five takes the top and ryan takes the low moves up a row to row three the six did not end up having that wasn't a good omen for the day for the six car starting out starting out with that spin there so but the five car as you said was showing speed really really quickly mm-hmm. um restart lap eight ryan gets all the way up to sixth and by lap 16 uh the one and the 18 pass him, and ryan's in eighth um lap 30 there with for the comp caution uh the four tires and they said no adjustments now the reason was, is they were feeling like the track was going to come in a little bit differently as the temperatures cooled off and it got a little later in the race. Um, so then they would make some swings later. Um, and, and Jonathan tells him the last five laps, he was good as anyone out there. So, and, and this actually is a thing during the day that if uh, I was trying to watch his, his lap times and they were literally almost as fast as, as the lead cars that were out in clean air so that tells you how good they were were set up there um they were pitting uh they went in ninth and come out seventh on that first pit stop uh the chooses the leaders the 22 at this point he takes the top ryan takes the top puts him in row uh four so he loses like a position but to be in the top row on the restart's a much better thing 
Um, he's up to fifth on the, on the first lap of the restart, um, you know, high, wide and handsome. <laughs> and, uh, the 22 is leading at, uh, lap 45, the one passes Ryan. So Ryan's in sixth and at lap 56, we get a caution for the five car. This one was interesting to see. We I, uh, we were sitting toward the turn four section of it, and you could see this happening. The five kind of dove down below to try to make a pass, and it was just like a slow spin. Like you could kind of slowly see him coming around. And this is something drivers mentioned with the next gen car. They said a lot of times that it'll just break loose, and they're not as easy to correct or you know stop from him. You can. You can try to steer him away from a wall or something. In this case, luckily, the five didn't end up hitting anything or any cars or any walls. So uh, the car itself was safe, and he did a pretty decent job of keeping the car going after that because I think he had some flat tires. So um, this happens a, a couple of times today in, in various various different places. It'll, I think it'll happen to the one car a little bit later on after a restart too. So um, I'm not going to complain about the next-gen car being hard to drive. So um, welcome sight for me and um okay to see some cautions and some people spin out without causing a, a melee mm-hmm. um this this will be where i refer to you about this pit stop action here because uh they go in uh fifth come out sixth but uh jonathan tells them to bring it back to them so you were sitting a little closer to this tv i don't know if tv even showed it um if you want the blow by blow, uh, we refer you to Stellanarius's uh, Twitter Twitter feed because she did, definitely has it all written out. But uh, from what you saw, Adam, what did you see happen on this pit stop? Yeah, I mean it was kind of chaotic to watch, and I'm trying to remember it as best I can because I mean I was also just kind of frustrated in the moment seeing what had happened. But yeah, the the tire changers come around out to the outside of the car. Um, everything is routine for the left front right front or right front man i told you i was gonna mess that up everything was routine for the right front of the car uh but the right rear you can see that the tire changer is having just some like major problems you know they get the the wheel off or they, they get the wheel off they they get the the new one on he you know he, he hits it he like looks back down at the gun again like he's having some issues try to hit it again starts waving his arms up in the air and eventually gets up and and makes it and hits it again i think then makes it back around to the other side of the car but at that time it just seemed like everything was too late they drop the jack and they move on and in in this process they never changed um one of the tires so the left 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 rear tire so um like steve said if you go back and look at nicole or uh, at stellanarius on twitter you can kind of see ryan's chatter between him and uh him and jonathan and obviously they're going to be frustrated just everybody i'm sure you know from the tire changer to everybody on the pit crew to jonathan to ryan um nobody no one we're not happy nobody's happy about what happened there and uh lost a ton of spots in that situation so um luckily they had speed in the car and ryan you already mentioned a couple of restarts here already was amazing on restarts Mm-hmm. Um, some of the times he would end up giving a couple spots back after a few laps, but uh, his ability to restart. And I think historically he's one of the best restarters uh, statistically and he proved it again, but man, it's just, they were so far ahead. Things were going great. You mentioned that first pit stop they had on the day they gained, you know, two or three spots. It seemed like everything was going in the right direction and just uh, things got hung up here and it uh, was unfortunate. Um. 
you know, to, this is where like that race view would be cool to have because TV doesn't necessarily cover your driver all the time, unless he's in the top two or three, or unless he's in a big battle, or unless he's a name name kind of person that you know gets gets attention. Um, because lap fifty nine, he starts the restart at la, uh, in thirty second position. Uh, lap sixty, he's up to thirtieth. Lap sixty one, twenty ninth, he passes the thirty eight. You know, a lap later, he passes the 21, he's up to 28. He's following the five during this because the five ends up back there with him. So him and the five are like weaving their way through traffic. Um, lap 27 or lap 63 passes the seven up to 27th. Laps the same lap passes the 45. He's up to 26th. We get to lap 65. He passes the 41. He's up to 25th. And we, <laughs> seven lap 72 up to 24th up uh, lap 75 is up to 22nd lap 78 up to 21st lap 81 up to 20th uh jonathan tells him the last two laps he was just as fast as the top two cars on the track uh lap 82 19th at lap 85 18th at lap 87 17th i mean this is the benefit of being at the track was i got to watch this whole situation and like you mm-hmm. said for the most majority of it yeah it was him and the five going through there was a point when they kind of got caught up like i think a lap car was in the way while they were also trying to pass somebody and the five got away and, and ryan got hung up a little bit so they they stopped carving through together but again it's bad what happened and bad the reason they get put into the back incredibly fun to watch him slice and dice all the way up through at a track like darlington mm-hmm. like i said a lot of those slide job type moves um as and he was going high he was going low i mean he, yeah like i said he was passing people all over the place so really fun to watch kind of as a fan but i'd rather would have had him just you know running up in the top five contenting yeah i mean it's a, the there was somebody put out a stat about passing differential and you know it's, it's a good stat and it's a bad stat it's a good stat because it shows how good your guy is but it's a bad stat because well you have to be behind guys to pass them you know and chase was number one on the day with like 34 and then ryan was second with 33 you know, so he did a great job, like I said, passing guys uh, when the situation didn't go his way. Um, so they get to the stage break there, the 22 win stage one, Ryan is in 17th. So he gained 15 spots in 30 laps, which is amazing to think about, you know, uh, you know, every other lap got past somebody. Um, they do small air pressure adjustment now, four tires. Um he was in 17th out 15th here. So, you know, they did a good job there. Uh, the choose uh, cone, the leaders, the 22 takes stop. Ryan takes the top. The restarts at lap 96. Ryan kind of sorts out to 15th in the, in the first lap or two. So uh, lap 98, he's up to 14th after passing the four. Uh, he's talking about a vibration and he's not sure what it is. Now, a couple of guys were reporting this during the race. Um, they were feeling this vibration through the steering wheel. Um, what a couple, uh, were reporting is that it had something to do with their brakes. Uh, the brakes were kind of like, uh, causing a vibration. So, um, and later on in the race, it does kind of go away and Ryan actually reports that it goes away. So at lap one or two, he's up to 13th after passing the two car at lap one ten, Um, the five is pitting and Ryan is in 12th at this point. Uh, see here we get to lap um 
lap 118 12th there and uh only a half second back of 11th so you know these guys stayed once they got spread out they didn't get totally spread out they they were able to still kind of make ground and being a 10th faster than somebody usually is not a big deal but when you're only a half second to begin with you know a lap or two later you're up on them you know i was worried at um i mean just as kind of an overall thing and i forgot to mention it early on when the five took the lead early in the race went out to a huge lead over the field and i was like oh man it's going to be one of those races where the racing from second on back is probably going to be really good, but the leader is going to check out every single time. And luckily until really the last restart of the race, um, which obviously changed in the last laps after that, um, that was the only other time we really saw the leader check out and the racing through the entire field. Um, there are times when the top three, top five were kind of all together and, um, and like you said, just the, the, the way the tire fall off went and the different strategies and the one stops and the two stops and the, the things that were happening. I think Jeremy Bullins and the two team were one of the ones that would, I think they tried to split up stages into, into thirds and things like that, which, you know, he's known for. So it's, it makes a race at Darlington very interesting, sometimes a little bit complex to keep track of, um, but it is fun seeing different guys kind of catch each other just based on tire wear and strategy. Um, lap 126, uh, they tell him he's uh, a few more laps and they'll be in the window, you know, and at lap 131, they do pit. Um, and this was, you know, during green flag cycling, it's kind of hard to tell like sometimes, but, uh, didn't seem like the stop went very well. Um, but on the other hand, if you pit before a bunch of the cars that you're running with too, you, you still could gain ground on the track cause you'll be, that was like two seconds a lap faster with fresh tires. So. And this is a stop where it, you know, I could tell it, it was slow again on the right rear, not like, you know, dramatically horribly slow, but just, you know, kind of like a tick off. And like you said, it's, it's a green flag, um, green flag pit stop. And I'm like, yeah, oh, he's probably going to lose two or three spots. And that seems like eventually we're kind of cycled out. I think the eight car got around him and, and a couple others, but so it wasn't as huge of a loss as it would have been if honestly, if it was a, um, a caution or something and cause you can yeah. lose a ton of ground, you know, just being, you know, a 10th of a second off or something on pit road. So, um, mm-hmm. you could see it still, uh, you know, the right rear was having some issues. So that was unfortunate again. Yeah. It shakes out to, uh, but lap one forty-two. it seems like the cycles over at this point and he's 15th. Um, and lap one fifty-one, uh, they found the top 20 are all running laps within two tenths of each other which is just, like I said, incredible that, you know, that many cars are all running that well together. Uh, lap 159, the eight pits and Ryan's in 14th, uh, the 19 and the one are battling for the lead at this point at, uh, lap 163 he passes the 10 car to get to 13th. And then we get a caution at lap 167 for the six and the 18. This turns into a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> two races a row races a row were in a row where uh, we're at Darlington and there's an issue and I could understand Kyle Bush's frustration here. You know, the six loses it right in front of him. The 18 has nowhere to go. And the 18 was fast. Um, he probably was going to be a contender. The Toyotas honestly for the first half, you know, three fourths of the race were contenders. Um, so I can understand his frustration, but it was just, you know, people in the, in the grandstands were just dumbfounded. You know, he, he gets it all the way around the track, all the way down pit road, 
gets to that now infamous pit road entrance uh, that he had issues with the Southern 500 and just parks it and doesn't seem like, you know, he was kind of struggling to get in and there. He kind of tried to make the turn a little bit, parks it, gets out and, and walks away. And like um, we had some newer fans that were sitting to the left of us and they're like, what they're like, is that, is that normal? Is that what you're supposed to do? And we're like, no, he, <laughs> Kyle kind of lives in, in the extremes <laughs> to where either extremely nice and, and awesome or this extremely angry and controversial. There's, there's no middle ground here. So if I'm keep mentioning the Southern 500 incident where last year, you know, he had, he had, I think a mechanical failure or something came down pit road and um, barreled through a bunch of orange cones and other people diving out of the way and it turned into a whole thing and he got fined a, you know, pretty hefty amount. <laughs> so this time our return to Darlington for the first time since last year. And he hits to that same entrance and is moving very slow and just parks it there and, and gets out. So um, from what I understand, NASCAR actually didn't really have a problem with this. They said uh, as long as he went to the care center, you know, that's where he needs to go. And he did that after that accident. So they didn't really have a problem with it as a fan. The only issue was, is that they did have to circle around under caution for two or three more laps before I think NASCAR even really understood what was happening. And, um, cause none of the crew members came out. I can't remember where the 18 was pitted, but this was kind of in the middle of pit road. So none of the crew members came down to try to push the car. So eventually they had to get it on the, on the hook and, and pull it in. But it was just one of those like, typical Kyle Busch type things where, you know, he had an, an awesome car and something went wrong that he had no control over that, you know, Brad had an issue and, and took him out. And I know he already doesn't think too highly of Brad in the first place. So I can imagine his frustrations had just, just overflown at that point. I'm not sure what the T what was the TV coverage like for this? Well, you know, they brought up last year right away because yep. they're saying, you know, they're saying, well, you know, he doesn't want to get in trouble for that. And then his interviews afterward were all, you know, well, I couldn't turn it, which is BS because he turned it to get it on pit road to begin with. So uh, there were no cones there and there was like no real foot traffic going across there when you looked at it either. Like maybe people knew that he was coming <laughs> and they made sure they got out of his way. I also think there's a chance that Darlington made some changes Right. to that area as well. Cause that was a big thing too. And I think the the officials there had said they were going to look at, you know, kind of restricting that, that access. So, you know, yeah. different, different opinions on it over the, you know, you know, I, like I said, I try to listen to some different things and podcasts and so forth. And, you know, one of the things that was made a, a great point of it was the fact that it was probably like five extra caution laps is what yeah, it, was, it was took several, yeah. to get that car out of the way. So he cost the race, and he cost the teams five extra laps of screwing around to get his car out of the way when he could have done it himself. And his excuses were his excuses because of what happened last year. But what he did last year was wrong because he barreled in there. Yep. If you just drive in there and, you know, ask somebody to move the cone and maybe, you, you know, don't run anybody over, almost run anybody over last year, he doesn't get into trouble. And then this year he would have, could have done the same thing and not gotten in any trouble. My biggest thing about the guy now is he has a kid. They have another kid on the way. Actually it's, breaking news. It just, it was just born. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Congratulations. anyway. Congratulations on that. Now be a better person. Okay. 
Um, it's kind of cool. Tommy Baldwin was on a podcast uh, and I listened to it and he, he talked about this and he, he talked about it from the level of kids learning to race. And there are a bunch of kids out there that are learning to race. And you may not realize how many kids are doing it. Um, one of the places I, my, my job, I drive by this little, little quarter mile track and it's nothing but go-karts, you know, and what they're seeing on TV is, it's not good. That's, that's not the way you want your kids to be. And that's not the way you want them to learn how to race. And that's, you know, it's a very much a spoiled brat kind of an attitude. And I, I, I know that, you know, he's talented beyond belief. Yep. And, and, and that's part of why he's able to do and say, and be able to be the way he is. But if he wasn't, if he was just the struggling guy that some of the other guys are, if he was a, a, a guy like, uh, uh, you know, let's, let's say, um, Cody Wareher, you know, and acted like that, he'd be gone in a week. Sponsors yeah. would sponsors would fall off. They'd get rid of him. He wouldn't be, you know, the truck series would be, you know, you know, and he'd be bound to there and then maybe back and then just maybe gone in a year, you know, he gets away with it because he wins all the time, but how you act when it's not your day and how you act when things don't go your way is how you're ultimately going to be judged. And unfortunately we reward um, people sometimes way too much for, for what they do when, when, when they're, they're on top and we don't always look at how they handle adversity. And what I would just like to see them do is handle adversity better, you know, rise above it. You know, you can make a snide comment, you know, that's fine. But when your actions, when there's actual actions and reactions to your actions, it's just not a good look. And I, and I, and I, I just hate to see it all the time because it seems to happen a couple of times a year for him. We can just go back and somebody should just sit down and write a book of all his incidents. They probably got a pretty good sized novel. Yeah. And that's one good thing that I would like to say maybe we're blessed as being fans of, and I always say, you know, we're fans of the Blaney racing family. And that's true, you know, from, you know, uh, Lou Blaney to Dave, to Dale, to Ryan, um, the whole family, just in general, uh, the way they treat people, they, the way they interact with people, uh, the way Dave handled ad adversity in the past, the way Ryan handles adversity, you know, we've seen a little bit of fire out of him here and there, uh, which is in some cases, you know, good to see, but you know, he's still not really, he doesn't, he doesn't react to things like that. Yeah. You're going to hear, you're going to hear a different Ryan on the, on the scanner. If you, if you hear it during the race, but after the race, that's not the Ryan you get in TV interviews or follow-up interviews. Um, he's a little bit different on the radio, but, but this, that's just not how, how it works. And I think, a lot of it just comes from, you know, the way he was raised and um, the the people he looked up to when he was growing up and, you know, the people his dad put around him early on in his racing career. And, um, you know, I feel like Ryan, Ryan really had to work for things. And um, anyway, it's great to be a fan of the Blaney family and, and hopefully Ryan continues on in his career, uh, treating people, racing people with respect and dignity and, and not, and not pulling some, some kind of stunts like this. And, um, but anyway, yeah. So just two Darlington races we've been to two Kyle Busch controversies and, um, 
it's a, it's unfortunate. I know he has a lot going on in his personal life right now, a lot going on, uh, it seems in his contract status, which that already caused plenty of, uh, plenty of issues over the last couple of weeks as well. So, um, but we'll see enough, <laughs> enough about Kyle, yeah. I guess we can, yeah. we can continue on, but it was just a, a major incident that happened during the race. And then, uh, luckily, uh, uh, for Kyle, it's going to get overshadowed yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true too. a little bit yeah. later on here to where, you know, I think honestly, until we just brought this up again, I completely forgot about it. So mm-hmm. um, there's plenty of other issues that happen in this yeah. race. Yeah. We get, um, we get a restart at lap 173 here and uh, at uh, two laps into the, I think Ryan was 18th coming into the restart. So two laps in, he's up to 16th and at lap uh, 173. 76 he gets to 15th 178 14th and then lap 183 he passes the 14 car to get to 13th um the one wins stage two uh track house shows up again and ryan's uh, 13th at the end of stage two uh the 78's on fire on pit road causing it to be closed for some extra laps now that's a little different there uh you know there were some uh I, I don't know if the brakes were would happen and they overheated something because we saw this later on too with another car where it just caught fire underneath the car it was crazy definitely a sight to see especially that i didn't notice the 78 one as much I, i'm not sure if i got it from my seat or something but uh what happens with the i think it's the 48 later on in the day um mm-hmm. it was a little bit scary to kind of see you know they extinguished it pretty quickly but um interesting interesting stuff afoot on pit road today yeah uh they go in uh, 13th here come out 15th um the 11 leads taking the top ryan takes the bottom row seven um, now they, they're talking about splitting this into one stop till the end. So, uh, lap 194 is the restart and the one crashes. One yeah. And, and this, this happens in a spot that throughout the weekend and actually all of the series they talk about, they last year ahead of the Southern 500, they put in a new patch of asphalt because there's part of the track coming apart but they didn't want to repave the whole track because everybody loves the tire wear and all that stuff, that stuff that goes along with it. But they're saying there's just some bumps that, and, and that, that occur when you're, you're coming out of that out of turn two and it can upset the car and everybody knew it. And they knew it's kind of, it can be kind of risky to be that car on the inside on restarts and you really had to watch it. And unfortunately for Ross Chastain, who you just mentioned track house having speed again, again, I don't know what the heck, I know Suarez hasn't been living up to exactly what the one car has been doing, but he's still been, you know, loads faster than he was last year. I just don't know what they've got going on with the one car at track house racing, but um, whatever they've hit on, I, I hope that the, that Penske figures this out <laughs> at some point, because um, I know he's a good driver and he's been a good driver in, in every series, except Xfinity. He never really set the world on fire um, really popular in trucks, but you know, that car has been in the top five every, pretty much every single race this year. And unfortunate for him, I think, again, we talked about Kyle Busch being a contender. I think Chastain could have been a real contender at the end of this race if he didn't make this mistake. And unlike Larson, who spun out in uh, three and four, you know, spinning out in two here, Chastain comes down and uh, I believe the radio said pound, pounded the inside wall. And that ended his day. And uh, unfortunate unfortunate for him but you'll have that yeah um so the choose cone on this uh, the 11 takes the top ryan takes the bottom in row six there the restarts at lap 198 uh, ryan's up to 12th on this restart 
Um, at lap 202, passes the 47 for 11th. At lap 209, uh, the 11 passes uh, uh, Ryan. Uh, I'm sorry, the 22 passes Ryan. So he, he moves he moves a spot there. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The lap 209, the 11 passes the 22 for the lead. <laughs> I got it mixed up into my notes here. So at lap 209, the 11 passes 22 for the lead. At lap uh, 222, um, Ryan is up to 10th after passing the four. At lap 229, uh, up to ninth after passing the 10. Uh, at lap 231, th- this is kind of where it's cool because they start this green flag cycle, basically. Um, Ryan, Ryan Pitts uh, from ninth. Um, and, you know, they ask, Ryan asks, are we running it to the end or are we doing another stop in here? And they told him we're going to run it out to the end. Um, so what they're trying to do is they, they by start by pitting before everybody else, let's say the first four or the next four cars in front of you are within eight seconds of you and you get pitted before four or five laps before they do, you might be able to gain all those positions on the track by being two seconds a lap faster before they pit. Um, so, and this actually does kind of work out, um, at lap two thirty six, others start to pit, um, he is 1.5 seconds faster than the old tires at lap 241. Uh, he shows in 16th, one lap down. Now, mind you, as they cycle through, he'll get this back. Lap 245 is up to 10th back on the lead lap. Lap 248, he is all the way up to fifth and only uh, nine seconds back of the eight car leading. And then we get at lap 254, the caution uh, for the 48 hitting the wall. And uh, I think it was during that run too, where I said, if they could just keep him up front, this car is fast. And um, we're going to go into this pit stop here and see what this was. This was a, yeah, another pit stop where they were in fifth and they come out eighth. Um, So like I said, once again, it seems like from what you were saying, there were rear rear uh, tire issues there. Um, So the choose cone, uh, mind you, he's top 10 now, though, you know, with the last stretch of the race coming and fresh tires. So uh, the choose cone, the 22 leads and the top uh, on the top and Ryan takes also takes the top and right on this restart. There's this crash. Um, yeah, to me, it looked like to me, to me, from what we saw on TV, it looked like the 19 caused the melee, you know, he was spun and he was uh the 47 is actually who hit him to spin. And, you know, once again, th- there was, they were three wide, like you said, there were three wide and that's really part of the problem too. Yeah. Cause yeah, there's a lot that happened. It was like the four had, I think dove down and took mm-hmm. people three wide initially going into one and two. And then there was a point, I think the 47 went to the outside and then, yeah. Um, I don't, I can't confirm that, you know, if they hadn't lost those handful of spots on pit road, they would have been ahead of this crash. Um, Brian, if you watch the replays, like I initially thought he'd only been hit from behind, but actually he did hit the car in front of him pretty solidly, but he did get slammed in. Yeah. Oh, I think was it the 23. Um, yeah, there was, a, an I don't know how effect. Ryan, I think, honestly, I think the fact that Ryan hit the car in front of him and then was hit from behind actually is what kept him straight. <laughs> Um, if he would have, mm-hmm. wouldn't have been in contact with the car in front of him, I think he would have been set spinning too. Um, yeah. Initially, I was excited because, you know, we, I couldn't see a lot of what was happening on the backstretch because it was low. Um, but I did see the 12 coming by and from the left side of the car, you know, that we're seeing everything looked okay. 
And I was like, oh, good. He made it through. And then he makes the turn coming around four. And then I, I can, then I can really actually see, you know what? The, the rear end is not good. He kind of has like a sail back there. Yeah. And um, you know, they come down on this, they bring him down on pit road. Initially I thought they were going to have him stay out uh, because I was like, well, maybe it's not too bad. I'm not, he can't remember if they even, you know, changed tires at this point. No, um, they were, they were yeah. talking, they were, they were talking about coming in twice. They, they yeah. were talking about working the working the damage one time and then coming back around and, and getting tires. But what happened was they made it kind of a quickie. Not they didn't make it a quickie yellow, yeah. but it, it yeah, they closed pit road back up. So he couldn't really come back around and get tires. They had him just catch up to the field and then go from there, which nobody else really took tires anyway. It probably would have been cool to see you. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, if they could have just had that opportunity, it'd only been a couple. I mean, they didn't even make it a full lap. So no. Uh, but it would have been cool to see if if he could have because yeah basically like i said the damage that he had i'm assuming was really not good for aerodynamics mm-hmm. it was the the piece was sticking out it's into the wind sma- it's like a parachute the and the hood was yeah. buckled was a little bit buckled up yeah. yeah so they had so. To, they had to jump on that a little bit um so they, you know they were 19th um after fixing the damage um the 22 was a leader and uh but by lap 268 uh, that restart Ryan does get up to 17th. Um, and at uh, yeah, lap 276, he's battling with the two back and forth. So they're actually in a little bit of a battle for position back there. And Ryan's car is operating well enough that, that he keeps the 17 at bay. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, it was with the two and everybody. I was like, well, I'm like, this is kind of fun to watch. I wish it wasn't happening for 17th. But um they were. I was wondering. I'm like. I'm like. I wonder if he's having any fun. And I'm like. He's probably not having any fun right now, <laughs> especially with as good of a car and you know being up toward the top five right at the end and yeah. being up there, you could at least have some sort of a shot here. So, man, it was just. Uh, I think I. You know, I, I try not to text too much during races, but I think I said. You know, I'm, I'm like he can't hang with the these guys. It's it's pretty much over now. And then I kept track of what what he what was going on back there, but the, obviously the battle for the lead really kind mm-hmm. of. Heats yeah up. yeah up uh, 292 we get the 22 going into turns three and four and he gained on him this is the interesting part about it he had gained on them the, the two or three laps prior big time and, big time and so what what it really come down to is william's tires were running out and joey was was getting there now what you do when you get there and then you know and then what happens afterward are two different things um he just runs right through him. And this is another thing about learning stuff. These kids being able to watch this stuff. And that's the way you do it. That's not the way you do it. Um, he, ha- he got to the point where he got to him. Why not try to get underneath them, get inside of them, maybe move them up a little bit. Maybe you bump into them a little bit. That one move can be a little more warranted, um, than just pretty much just driving right through him which and, is what the which joey's excuse is because the the 24 which he did put him into the wall coming out of two on that restart well I, he didn't like touch, you're saying i think he didn't, he didn't touch him yeah they bounced off each other he, no they didn't touch they did not touch each other you can watch it they did not touch each other he squeezed him and in that situation you can do one of two things you can stay on your accelerator and knock him back the other direction or you can back off. And Joey was mad because he backed off. He yeah. didn't, he didn't take the, at that point, he didn't take the aggressive path, which is really weird. But then later on he decides I'm going to be aggressive. And then I got an excuse. 
Yeah. You know? And I think, um, I think like you're saying the move that he probably should have pulled mm-hmm. was, was trying to move him up the track in a similar fashion, maybe with some contact mm-hmm. and, and, right. and move on. My initial reaction was, why didn't he just try to pass him clean? And then I, you know, you got to realize, you know, this wasn't the last lap, but it was like a, a lap and a quarter to go. So he mm-hmm. could have, honestly, I mean, if I'm in Joey's shoes, he could have just tried to pass him clean and maybe the 24 comes down on him and it doesn't work and the 24 gets away and that's it. So I think in Joey's mind, he pretty much, you know, I just got to settle this now and then go on for the white flag. The other thing to keep in mind here, yeah. if, I don't know if you heard the replay with the spotter, mm-hmm. the team was riling Joey up big time. I think mm-hmm. Coleman, I don't, I don't know much about Coleman Presley and I apologize if, I'm casting this in the wrong way, but like, you know, he was telling Joey, you're gaining on a big time. You know what you need to go to do when you get there. Like mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but he was like talking him up into like, you need to yeah. move him essentially. So it's, I don't know. Some of it I put on the team for getting Joey into that mindset. Yeah, but here's, uh, but here's, he's still here's behind the, the wheel though. Here's the thing you get to three and four and you know, like you said, they're coming to the, the white flag. You get to three and four, like you did. You could have got to the, his left rear. Okay. You get to his left rear, you get inside of him and then, yeah, eight wheels are better than four. And maybe you kind of run him up the wall yeah. or like you said, let's say William decides to kind of wiggle down. Yeah. Let William, let William wiggle down. Then just take him out. Yeah. Just snap his rear end out of the way. Right. Then it'll be William's fault for trying to come down on you. Then you got a real excuse built in, you know, yeah. but the reality is it's just driving right through the back of them. It wasn't the way to do it. You're going to have contact and you're going to do whatever you got to do to win. At least do it in a manner where you're trying to actually make the pass. What was it, Joe? What was it that Ryan said uh, you know, at the beginning of last year about uh, bump, bump and runs and stuff like that? He says, if you're going to make the move, make sure you, you know, you can win with it. And, and I, he to did. Me that was just, he, <laughs> he did, did, he did, <laughs> but he just, he just destroyed him to do it. You know, yeah. he didn't do it in any kind of, any kind of gentlemanly fashion, you no. know? And, and like, I, I'm not defending the move by any means. I think it, I think William was going to end up in the wall, regardless of how Joey hit him. It was mm-hmm. going to happen in some form or fashion. Um, Joey's excuse is a little bit dicey but I do think he did, he did have a reason to be kind of upset about what happened on the lead. Cause Joey was in that preferred outside lane and probably should have taken the lead there, but he got squeezed into the wall. So I can under, I can understand the, the frustration, whether or not it deserved being, you know, to drive through the guy, but I think in the long run, big picture, he was going to end up in the wall no matter what. So to me, yeah. it doesn't really matter how it happened. It was going to happen as a fan, like, the 24 and I, I think I said to you I apologize in advance to to Aaron Blaney uh but I didn't really want the 24 to win we'd already seen that we've already seen him won multiple races that we've seen in person and he's already got two wins on the season and I'm a completely jealous Ryan Blaney fan and I just don't want other guys to just keep racking up wins while Ryan's still you know high in points but still hasn't visited victory lane yet so probably one of the first times in my life where I've actually cheered for the, the 22 car to catch because it was just exciting to watch. Cause you could see, it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, there's such this huge gap. But then all of a sudden he's like just clicking off, you know, so much faster times than the 24 was. And it's exciting to mm-hmm. see on the track when you're there. 
and um, he's catching them and then he got to him and I thought he would just swoop down below and make a slide job and it'd be exciting and go, but no, he just puts them into the wall. So it is what I, it is. Um, I, I, lo- I loved, I loved William's composure in his post race because, you know, he, he called him, what do you call him? An idiot, an idiot, and a like moron, that. moron, you know, and those are great words. Those are, those are pretty good words. Um, somebody caught some audio of him without cameras around without media media around at least yeah and that was great that's the part i love the most because he really i really saw his true emotions there you know and um if it comes back to joey at some point it's going to be definitely understandable you know Um, once again though neither of them have nothing to worry about now they're both in the playoffs so you know thing is, is does does the payback happen someplace like martinsville yep right at, you know right seen before so i don't know again like i said i apologize for not maybe rooting for for william who has connections to the blaney's and such but he's a good kid i mean he's <laughs> the only thing i always never really necessarily like is in uh, other blaney you know ryan fans can attest to this is that those two race each other extremely hard and uh, have made plenty of contact in the past and and such so um I can understand maybe not a lot of people being big fans, but um, he's uh, at this point, I would say if he had won that race, especially a championship contender, especially driving for Hendrick Motorsports. So, so what in the end, Ryan ends up uh, coming across in the 17th position, which is actually, actually ends up about around where his average finishes at Darlington. He did have a, I think a good run a couple races ago, but I think his average finish was 17th or 18th. 18.5 or something like that so maybe he might even bested it by a position so um no points though no stage points today because of the the issues they had early on they were playing catch up pretty much most of the race and unfortunately you know he's running in the top eight or so at the end of that race gets caught up in a crash doesn't have the opportunity to get the finish they really deserved or even have the opportunity to be one of those cars that was running down the 24th the end so but there's going to be more opportunities coming up the rest of this year. And um, we saw what happened last year. You know, he ticked off, the, ticked off that one win early in the season, but um, then was able to hit, you know, go back to back. So I think the team is capable of doing that pretty much anywhere. And um, this weekend coming up at Kansas, you know, is one of those places where it could, could happen and quite honestly should have happened multiple times and could have potentially happened uh, in this, uh, in a, in a race last year at Kansas, when the, you know, the, the five car decided to drive them both into the wall <laughs> in one of the last restarts. So, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, mile and a half, uh, will help, uh, cure all ailments. Uh, and like you said, that the car shows up every week, ready to go. So get, get another good qualifying position, get up there near the front and, uh, Let's see what we can do. I'm sure there's some adjustments being made to the other parts of the team that'll help them. Uh, you know, there this this week was just another weird anomaly because last month and a half, last six weeks or so, actually one of the top teams on pit road. So uh, I guarantee you that something you know something will probably you know work its way and 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 turn turn out better than you think. And uh, these guys work hard at this stuff, and I'm sure that uh, they'll have it uh, straightened out as soon as they can. And I think, like I've said before, anytime that they've they've also had struggles, I pretty much say they have to. They don't have a choice. This is Team Penske. This is an elite mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to do what they have to do to make sure they're they're putting their best foot forward and putting Ryan in the best position possible. 
and, and I want to say, you know, Jonathan uh, is making some huge, huge calls um, that work perfectly. That pit call to come in early, to get the tires in, in that third stage, to get back on the track while the, you know, before to basically start the cycle, you know, and like I said, those three or four laps before some of the other, other guys pit are five, six seconds he gains on people. And, and once again, when that cycles, you know, cycled out there, he was, you know, all the way up to fifth. Um, so, you know, he, he made a great call there and he's been doing that week after week. If some things are noticeable, some things aren't. Um, but this one was pretty noticeable, you know, um, the, the caution felt the right time too. you know, that always helps. So, you know, this week, uh, you know, a little more boilerplate cause it's a, it's a little more, you know, um, where they know where the pit strategies are going to be pretty much. And they know how the tire fall off is probably going to be. So it should be interesting to see what happens with this week. So again, finish the 17th. If we're, you're keeping track of the point standings, the overall point standings, Ryan now has actually slipped to the third position with William Byron, just jumping him. They actually are tied as far as points, just being 65 points back of the points leader, Chase Elliott. Uh, Ryan would still be, I think what in the 10th position in the overall or 11th position in the overall playoff standings now uh, with the, the 10, the right. 10 other winners ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as Ryan gets that W he's going to vault all the way back up to the top of the standings. And yeah. he has the opportunity coming up this week uh, as the NASCAR cup series heads to Kansas speedway for the advent health 400 this Sunday, May 15th at Kansas speed as again at Kansas speedway, you can catch the race at 3 PM Eastern time on FS one and on radio at Sirius XM NASCAR radio and MRN Kansas. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Kansas is one of Ryan's best tracks, um, but not necessarily statistically. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like feast or famine for him over the years between the, the 21 car and the 12 car. Ryan has 14 starts at Kansas, including his very first ever start, which the, the day that we're recording this podcast, uh, May 10th here, um, is the date that Ryan actually made his cup series debut in the 12 car initially. So people got to remember, he started actually in the 12 and a hand in a couple of races before he went to the 21. So the 12 car in 2014 at Kansas, he started 21st finished 27th. And Steve's favorite stat of that is that he was among the cars that bumped his dad, Dave, who was in the 77, I think for Randy Humphrey and um, bumped him out of, out of that race by qualifying in on time. So 14 starts at Kansas for Ryan over the years, three top five, six top 10. So you'd think that his average finish would be pretty high, but it's not. Average finish is 17.3. And as I said, feast or famine, because he has finishes here of 27th, 37th, 32nd, 21st, 20th, 21st, and 37th. Um, But then he also has finishes here of 7th, 5th, 4th, 3rd, 7th, uh, 7th. So it's like, he's either in the top 10 top five or 20th or worse. And um, he's led, you know, a, a good amount of laps in 2017. He led 83 laps, 2018, 54 laps in a race. Uh, he hasn't led a lap in the last three. And he was involved in that crash at the end of this last uh, visit there when he started second, but kind of got crashed by Kyle Larson who went on to win the championship um, in the late stages of that one. So it's really weird. When we go to Kansas, I think of it being one of his best tracks, but it's, there's always been some sort of weird thing that's happened in some of the cases where just they do not get the finish that they deserve, including two crashes over the years. The, the good news is 
um, Team Penske as a whole. And we said this a lot last year with the, the previous generation of car. Um, they've always had speed here. Ryan has a pole here in 2017. He's also, you know, he started in the top five multiple times since then. Um, Logano, who had been struggling a little bit the last couple of races, obviously came to Darlington with speed. Ryan's pretty much been fast every week, no matter what. So it's going to be really interesting what we're going to see when they head into practice and qualifying for this race. They, um, what, you know, Penske is, is the key here because now they have, excuse me, now they have two drivers, you know, in, and they've got one more to get in. And, um, you know, talk about throwing your eggs in one basket type of situation. Now I think that there's nothing but concentration and focus on making sure that the Ryan and the 12 team gets everything they need, any kind of resource they might need, um, any kind of data, whatever it is, um, there's going to be extra attention there and uh, they're going to try to make sure they get their W uh, so that they're in good position once the playoffs start. So again, if you want to catch this race, the Advent Health 400 this Sunday, May 15th at Kansas Speedway, 3 p.m. Eastern time, and you can watch it again on FS1 or listen to it on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. So we've looked ahead a little bit. Why don't we go ahead and just jump back one more time to Darlington? But in this case, let's look at the Darlington results when it comes to the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. And I'm happy to say it's one of those weeks where things actually went kind of well for me in, in a way. I ended up finishing pretty high in the, in the standings, I think around the 13th position uh, in points earned at this race, but my points earned weren't that high. I think I only ended up with like around 179 total points where normally if you're near the top 10, you've, you've scored 200 plus. I think the attrition by big name guys in this race, that last crash took out a lot of big name guys really hurt people's uh, fantasy lineup. So let me just go through who my starters were for this race. And honestly, this was a, a stacked uh, starting lineup where uh, two of the drivers had some issues though. So I picked uh, eventual race winner, Joey Logano. I had Tyler Reddick who had a, had a great race going there and finished in the top five. Kyle Busch again was super fast, but got caught up in that incident. So he only ended up, ended up giving me 11 points. Um, Harvick, uh, finished in the top 10, gave me 33 points. Eric Jones was having an awesome race for about the first half, but he got caught up in some incidents later on as well. So, but I had with Logano winning, that gave me 58 points. Reddick gave me 37. Again, Harvick gave me 33. And then I did fairly well when it came to the featured matchup picks. I picked Denny Hamlin over Truex, which that actually worked out, even though Hamlin had some pit road issues again, which I'm sure he's not too excited about. I picked Chastain over Kyle Busch. And again, I just barely squeaked that one out. Uh, 30th versus 33rd. I was wrong on this one. I picked Busher over Stenhouse. Stenhouse had a uh, two, two weeks in a row where they've had top 10 finishes for that team, which is impressive for them. So I got that one wrong. And then I also got the second, this last matchup wrong, which was Ryan Blaney versus William Byron. Byron did, you know, crash in that last lap, but still limped around for a 13th place finish. So that bested Ryan's 17th. Um, but overall, like I said, in the overall standings, ended up pretty well. Um, I know you, unfortunately, just you had a rough week. And I'm imagining you had some guys in there that were caught up oh. in a lot of these crashes and attrition oh. and various yeah. things. Larson, Larson, Bowman, Truex, Kyle Busch, if that tells you anything. Yep. <laughs> so if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Logano, my lineup would have been even worse. So, yeah. And then I missed all four of the, of the bonus picks, too, so. Yeah, yeah, not so good this week. Uh, on to Kansas. 
on to Kansas, but let's go ahead and recap the top 10 and points earned from this race at Darlington Raceway, the Goodyear 400 and the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Coming home first, the Dalai Lama 4 with 224 points. Second, two Bushes, no Johnsons, 221. Third, Moose, 1616-209. And fourth, one to go. That's a new name up here. Uh, 196, also tied for fourth, is Rochi, 12. In sixth, we have JD Racing with 193. In seventh, Moving Chicane Motorsports, 189. In eighth, No Hesitation, 188. In ninth, Awe, 723, 187. And in tenth, Blaney Kicks Beep with 186 points. And like I said, from there, it kind of drops off. I ended up finishing 13th in points earned with 179 points. And this is the first time I've been glad to scroll all the way to the bottom of the page here, uh, where Team Mez uh, 12 there. Uh, 115 points earned uh, in the 76th position. Now, I haven't checked to see what that's done for you overall, but we're going to jump over now to the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League overall league standings and still holding down the top spot this week is Bulldog 0277 with 2,304 points. In second, the Dalai Lama 4, 2,279 points. In third, Fry Gal 12, 2,268 points. Still hanging tough in fourth is Math Mom 4, 2,266 points. In fifth, Moose Hunter, 1960, 2,251 points. In the sixth position, last year's champion, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 2,224 points. In seventh, Blaney Kicks, beep, 2,221 points. In eighth, eighth, Two Bushes, No Johnsons, 2,196 points. In ninth, Blaniacal, 2,188 points. And rounding out the top 10 is Eric D, 15, 2,186 points. Steve, you've dropped. Oh, wow. Look at this, folks. This is a huge development in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. In the 32nd position, Mez 12. How the mighty have fallen, 2,039 points. And, you know, just 15, 16, 17 or so points back in the 34th position, one position. Uh, guy from the Discord, two, a cool guy 2K is separating us in 33rd. In the 34th position, my team, Team Blaney, uh, host Adam, 2016 points. So, man, I never thought I would be within striking distance of you. Uh, but I made a huge gain <laughs> on you. And if there's a way for me to pass you in the points, that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause I'm going to have a race like you did yeah, uh, probably it, coming up soon, probably a Daytona or another Talladega later on in the year or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? You know, it, right now it's, it's getting harder and harder to judge. Uh, so many incidents are happening. You know, you're seeing a lot of guys with the, who are good cars have good speed and end up crashing, you know, spinning out by themselves and hitting, hitting the wall and, you know, who knew the five car and, you know, the 48 car, and those are cars that are good cars that usually have good top 10 days, you know, and it's not always happening every week. So, so heading into this race at Kansas, obviously Logano uh, is coming in there with momentum. Ryan's been good there off and on in the past. Um, the five car obviously was up there with Ryan in that, that one previous race. Is, is there anybody that you think is going to be a sure start for you? uh, this weekend. Yeah. I like, you know, as long as guys like him don't crash, I like Larson, you know, like anything Hendrick right now, um, the Chevy's 
are right now are, seem to have a little bit of an advantage somehow that uh, these mile and a half, it shows up there. So yeah, any, any of these guys and, and, you know, this could be a Suarez kind of weekend to tell you the truth, the track house. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'd be wrong to put any of the track house guys in your lineup, any of the Hendrick drivers in your lineup. Uh, Denny Hamlin has had speed a lot recently and just, you know, awful luck. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have to see what happens there. They, they had some, I think, pit gun issues this time. They, they kept the wheels on it this week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, though his brother, I think we forgot to mention, or not his brother, sorry. Um, Kurt Busch, the 45, actually lost a wheel in the race yeah. at Darlington, but kept it in the, st- in, the, in the stall. And I didn't see it on TV or at the track. I wasn't paying attention to them. But I guess the, that a crew member that dove onto the, the hood and window yeah. and got hood, him hood to and stop. And, and whoever yeah. that was, man. Um, is it Matt McCall that is is that his crew chief now or um no I think that was his previous crew chief but man they uh they owe him <laughs> four yeah. weeks of, of of beers or four weeks of lunches or or something from getting him to stop because they uh they all are 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 keeping their positions for the next couple of weeks because that car didn't leave the pit stall yeah they pulled off a pretty pretty big miracle there because the left rear was off totally off the car and uh, luckily nobody got hurt. That's the big thing, you know, for sure. So that wraps up our our recap of the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. There's still a couple positions. Anyone's always free to jump in there. If you go and create Mm -hmm. an account with uh, NASCAR fantasy live and search for team Blaney on there, you can still join, um, see what happens. You can still even compete when we get into the, the, you know, the playoffs, the, the points reset, and you can kind of jump back in there and we still do the same thing. We'll actually go through three recaps of, you know, the overall standings, the points earned from that previous race and then the playoff standings too. So come in, join us, have some fun. Yeah. Hey, week to week too. You can just come in and join for the week and maybe win that week, be in the top 10 or whatever. So, Hey, how about uh, some Sharon Speedway news uh, this week? I know big drop that I I really wasn't expecting, but, um, and I know people have been anticipating this because, uh, one of the past NASCAR cup series champions is joining the, the, the finale race at Sharon speedway. That's already been billed as, you know, the, the battle of the Blaney's. So, but now it's going to be the battle of the Blaney's plus chase Elliott. Yeah. Uh, so former cup champion, you know, just a, a two years off from that. Uh, he's been dabbling a lot more into dirt races and it seems like this, this is one that he was interested in and obviously Sharon speedway being a dirt track. Uh, he and Ryan, you know, are pretty close friends so the Chase Elliott's going to bring the number nine SRX car uh, for that SRX racing series season finale, Sharon Speedway in the, in the summer, in July. And I know we've got a lot of fans in the podcast, a lot of fans of Ryan and Dave, a lot of local fans up there in Northeast Ohio that are pumped for this race. And if you don't already have tickets, I know with, you know, I mean, there's already incredible names in racing that run the series just week to week. Um, but I know, Chase Elliott's name has been probably one of the biggest out there. So that's going to be even bigger draw. So I, I, I think at some point they're going to get into a standing room only situation for this SRX series race. So if you haven't already gotten tickets now, if, if Chase Elliott puts you over the hump there, I would go ahead and, and check out Sharon Speedway's website and purchase your ticket, your tickets, your tickets to see the, the battle of the Blaney's plus, and, and let's see what Chase Elliott can do there at Sharon Speedway. Yeah, I knew the, um, the logistics of the whole situation is they're racing Pocono that weekend and uh, not too far to go by plane. And uh, I have a, have a huge feeling that uh, 
they were going to use Chase's plane to get him there anyway. <laughs> yep. So might as well, well, you're already flying him over there, Chase. You might as well join the, join the fray. And, uh, you know, he's pretty big into it. And I guess today, which was, we're recording on Tuesday, uh, SRX put out a, like an eight second video of Chase's SRX car that they were using on the track at Sharon Speedway doing some testing. Couldn't quite find out who was driving the car. Uh, I did a couple tweets and, uh, you know, nobody gave me the, the, the real answer, but uh, somebody was definitely testing out that car on the track there at Sharon Speedway uh, today. And it looks great. It did look great. The track looked a little heavy, so it might have been early on in, in the practice when they took that video. But I told Steve, you know, even in, in the eight seconds of video that we did get, it looked really good coming out of the corner there. Uh, and it's, you know, amazing facility. If you haven't been there before, I know we're going to have a lot of Blaney fans making their first trip out there. I'm really excited for people to see the track that I grew up at. You know, I spent nearly a decade, you know, working at, um, just love that place. Uh, still kind of kills me that I'm not going to be able to make it up there this year, crossing my fingers. I know not every track makes it back onto the SRX schedule from year to year. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I wouldn't be sad if they end up on the 2023 schedule for this series and I can yeah. make it up there. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll be there. Um, like I said, I want to try to plan to do some sort of meet and greet tweet up kind of thing to meet some other people, um, that listen to the podcast here and, and, and also do the, uh, things with the team lady social medias, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a great place to see these guys a little more up close and personal too. And I guess SRX does a kind of a, a different type of thing where the fans uh, show up early enough, uh, can go ahead and meet some of the drivers, get some pictures, autographs, whatnot. Um, so definitely going to be pretty exciting, uh, weekend. And, um, I can't wait to get to it, you know, in uh, late July. Yeah, really cool. And the other cool part about this is just the fact that the national spotlight is going to be on Hartford, Ohio and Sharon Speedway. I think the races, I think they're usually like 8 p.m. Eastern time on CBS, CBS. major television network with the the cameras running at Sharon Speedway. Man, just excited, just Mm -hmm. excited. And Chase Elliott joining the fray just, you know, brings that excitement level up even just a little bit higher. Um, So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everyone once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just check out our debut episode from our very first season that dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family. You can interact with us on Twitter and Facebook at Team Blaney and on Instagram at team.blaney. And finally, we want to encourage you really, really encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization that's championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on all of their active social media channels. One thing that they have coming up here just in a couple of weeks up there in Charlotte, North Carolina, they have the Driving for Good, that's Driving F-O-R-E, Good, uh, charity golf event that's going to hap- at the, happen at the Top Golf Charlotte University, and um, there's a, a, f- a few different cool ways that you can support this event, Steve. Yeah, they've uh, got this uh, Wall of Fame that they're doing um, for 20 bucks. Uh, we'll put you on the Wall of Fame, and actually, for a donation of 50 or more, um, you get your name up on the Wall of Fame, and actually, Ryan will autograph it, and they will send it to you. So. You know, there's still ways to participate there. Um, also coming up uh, in, I don't know exactly when they're going to do this, but uh, pretty soon they're going to have the items that will be up for bid in the silent auction. 
um, you know, we're going to be there. So we're going to try to see if we can do a little something maybe ahead of time, keep an eye out on our, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, especially because we've been messing with the Facebook live. Um, maybe do a little video if we can to show you some of those auction items uh, that day, if possible. Um, or, you know, you know, later in the day, but keep an eye out on, you know, our social media, keep an eye out on their social media, because I'm sure they'll be announcing or showing some of them items soon. Um, and you'll be able to join in and bid on those online and, uh, maybe get yourself a very nice, uh, cool kind of thing. Like Adam has already won a, won a silent auction, uh, at one of their fundraisers before. So it's, it's very possible, very easy to do. And, uh, who knows, you might see something you like, so keep an eye out for that too. Yeah, really looking forward to this event. So again, like Steve said, you can donate $20, $50, whatever you want to get on above $20 and over to get up onto that uh, wall of fame. You can bid on the silent auction items. There's still, I think, positions open for single players and, and a few other sponsorship opportunities. If you'd like to learn more about this event, if you go to planning pod, or sorry, driving for F-O-R-E, Good. Drivingforgood.planningpod.com. You can find out everything you need to know about donating, buying tickets, buying sponsorship opportunities, and just everything overall that we can do to help support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation and its causes. Um, we'll do some good across the board. Yeah. And uh, like I said, keep an eye on social media too for some pictures of us because um, we're going to go the full nine and uh dress up for the occasion uh, it, you know they're they're doing this as a vintage theme event so uh, uh we have some uh, outfits and uh, ready to go and uh there'll be some cool pictures of us in our in our cute little outfits uh, to check out <laughs> yes. too. that's really the content all the blaney fans out there oh, have been waiting just, for I think. just waiting waiting for it just to see adam in the pair of knickers you know it's just you know can't wait so on that note <laughs> For my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.